There's a story told about one of our priests in the MGLs from when he was a deacon. He was assigned to a parish, getting some experience. And Christmas Day, he'd done the morning mass, helping out the priest. And then the priest had gone around the parish, visiting all the parishioners, dropping in all the, all the different family lunches. Come the early afternoon, he was a bit tired, so the priest was going to keep going all day, visiting everybody. But he said, look, I'm a bit tired, I'm going to go back to the presbytery and rest. So he goes back to the presbytery, and as he opens the front door, he opens up and sees there's a man inside the house robbing the place. And so there's this kind of this moment of tension as there's this standoff between them, between him and this burglar, not quite knowing who's going to move first or what's going to happen. But in that moment, he just turned to the, this thief and said, would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> and the thief turned to him and said, actually, yes, that'd be quite nice. And so they put the kettle on and they sat down all afternoon and talked about it, you know. And he asked him, you know, how did he end up in the life of crime and what led him to this place in his life and got to the point where he was actually quite repentant and, so, you know, actually agreed to come back the next day and apologise to the parish priest and try and make amends. Now, not the way that most of us would have dealt with the situation. But it's amazing how a small act of love could change a situation which could otherwise have been quite disastrous. You know, one or both of them could have ended up being very hurt. And it kind of speaks something powerful of this encounter we have in the gospel here. Where we have Jesus sit down to a meal with Zacchaeus, a public sinner. Everyone kind of has seen him almost like a social outcast because he's robbing everybody. And yet Jesus takes the initiative and says, look, I'm coming to your house for a meal. The interesting thing is, nowhere in the story does it say that Jesus told Zacchaeus to repent. At no point did Jesus sit down and list off all of Zacchaeus' sins and say, come on, buddy, make amends. All he did was have a meal. And yet Zacchaeus is the one who turns around and starts to make the, the, the effort. He says, look, I want to repent. I'll do anything. And he actually does more than he has to. If you go back, I think it's in the book of, Le of Leviticus. It talks about the, the laws of restitution. That if you have stolen, there is a certain amount prescribed that you have to give back. Now what Zacchaeus does is he gives back almost three times what he has to give. And I think this is what Jesus is trying to say here. We live in a world so obsessed with justice. If you have sinned, you have to be told that you have sinned. You have to be excluded until you acknowledge it. And then we will force you to make amends. Someone has to be to blame and they have to pay a price. Jesus is operating on a very different way of understanding the world here. His basic thing is that 
what we're deeply craving here is actually love. The reason why we sin is because we're craving for love. The reason why we refuse to repent is because our hearts have become so hardened for lack of love. The reality is that the people in the world who we see as the big sinners, they know that they're sinning. They don't need us to tell them that. You know, as a priest, I regularly have people randomly say to me, oh, Father, I'd never step into a church because God would strike me down with lightning. They know that their life is disordered. They don't need us standing there in judgment trying to point it out to them. And Jesus knows this. And so what he does is he simply loves them. He simply says, look, I'm taking the initiative. I'm saying that my mercy is already on offer whether you want it or not. And that gives Zacchaeus the freedom to take it up. And not only to take up the mercy, but to transform the whole of his life. I've got a friend who is a little bit obsessive about maths. And he once sat down and actually tried to calculate what Zacchaeus would have to pay back. And he kind of just threw out a few figures, you know, what would a tax collector earn? What would he be taking as his, his cut, basically? What would he be stealing off each person? And if that was his earnings over a lifetime, what would he have to pay back? And he basically worked out that what Zacchaeus has offered to pay back here is about a thousand years worth of wages. You know, something so beyond anything that he could ever pay back. Effectively, as though Zacchaeus is saying, I acknowledge the mercy of God so much that my whole life is now given in response. That everything from here on is now lived differently. Yeah, this is how God is operating with us. And we, I think, need to realise that this is actually the journey of holiness. Holiness is not about beating ourselves up the way that we often beat up other people. You know, the way that we sort of say, oh, they're a sinner. They're the bad ones. Chances are we're saying the same thing about ourselves. You ever do this? You know, you, you make a mistake and you spend the rest of the day beating yourself up. You know, we, we kind of hold this huge expectation against ourselves that I have to be perfect. And if I'm not perfect, then I've got to pay for it. I've got to tell myself that I'm stupid. And yet it doesn't do anything. You know, I think it's quite a universal thing that all of us do this. And none of us have become saints as a result. So at some point we need to realise that it's not working and we've got to change. You know, trying to hold ourselves to some really strict standard isn't bringing about a change in our life. The same way that the Pharisees were holding the people to us the same strict standard and it wasn't doing anything. But Jesus comes along and says, let's sit down to a meal so that I can simply show you how much I love you. And they're begging to repent. This is, I think, how the human heart works. You know, one of the images I always love 
is, is that of clay. You may have heard me use this before, but like if, if you've ever worked with clay during pottery, clay is very hard, particularly if it's dry. You know, if you've got a big chunk of clay, you can try and mould it and shape it. You can hit it, you can pull out a hammer, try to, to shape it and mould it into, into place, and it's not going to do much at all. You know, no matter how hard you hit it, it's barely going to make a dent on the block of clay. But if you simply get a small handful of water and wash it over the top, it suddenly becomes soft. You know, the more water you place over it, the softer it becomes. And with almost no effort at all, you can just mould it into the shape you desire. You know, when God created us, as it says in the book of Genesis, he created us out of the earth. He made us out of clay. And our sin has hardened us so that our hearts are kind of twisted but also immovable. And so when we stuff up, when we do sin and we start beating ourselves up saying, I'm stupid, I should never have done that, I've got to try harder, I've got to be better, I've got to try and make sure I never do it again. It's just like you're sitting there with a big block of clay just hitting it and hitting it and getting more frustrated because it's not moving. And that frustration just leads us deeper into sin, more further into into despair. The only way we're actually going to see some transformation in our life is if we allow the love of God to wash over us. That it's the love of God that will soften that clay. Once again, as in Genesis, where God took the earth and breathed his love into it and was there able to mould it into us. Bring it to life. This is the key. Rather than trying to hold yourself to some impossible standard and kicking yourself again and again because you're not reaching that standard, just try and be a little bit more relaxed and let yourself be loved. Actually stop for a moment and reflect on how is God loving you in your sin. Even as a rotten sinner who keeps making the same mistakes again and again, how is God loving you right now? That is going to soften the clay of your heart. And that's going to allow God to mould you and shape you with almost no effort at all. See, this is what the transformation does in us. This is what the love of God does in us. If we can simply just stop and look at how is God taking the initiative. Now the same thing takes place here at the Mass. You know, I'm sure many of you are sitting here tonight thinking, oh gee, I'm just not good enough. You know, God has to be merciful because I just never meet the mark. And the danger is that we're so focused on ourselves we actually forget to focus on God when we come here. We're kind of so caught up in our own little world of pity and and, and kicking ourselves again and again that we miss the fact that God is here saying, I love you. I love you even as a sinner. The whole thing of what we do tonight here is the same dynamic as happened with Zacchaeus. Jesus has invited us to a meal. 
He has said, I want you to come to the table. But really what he's offering here is his love. What we're about to celebrate here in the Eucharist is Jesus taking the initiative. He's not standing here waiting for us to be perfect. He's not saying, I'm not going to become the Eucharist until you've all become saints. He's saying, I'm coming to meet you in your mess. I'm coming to meet you as you are. All you have to do is open your eyes to it. Acknowledge what I'm doing. Actually stop for a moment and realise how much love is being poured out for you here on the altar. But there's a very good reason why we call the Eucharist the sacrament of love. Because it is the most perfect sign, it's the most perfect representation of love poured out for you. You know, I was saying to this to someone just recently, you know, stop for a moment and look at the Eucharist at the absolute madness of what we're celebrating here. That what we're saying here is that God loves you so much, the almighty, all-powerful, supreme deity is prepared to become bread just so that he could be close to you. It's absolute madness. You know, if we were to say this in any other context, people would laugh us out of town. There are many people who do. And yet we stand here believing it in faith, but not actually looking at it, not actually questioning it enough to actually receive the love. You know, it's almost like we've believed it in blind faith to the point that we've become blind to the love that's represented here. Understand the madness of what God is doing. Understand that he is coming here in a way that is completely illogical because he is just madly head over heels in love with you as you are now. As you are now as a sinner, as someone who is caught up in the same habits, as the person who's going to go home and still say the same stupid comments to your family, still hurt people. He loves you as you are now. Open your eyes to that reality. If you can, just for a moment, receive that love, receive the truth of that, I think you might find that your heart might just suddenly change. If you could see for a moment how passionate the heart of Jesus is for you right now. I think you would find that everything else in your life would fall away. All those areas in your life where you are sinning because you are desperate for love. You would find that that hunger is actually being fed. You would find that your desire for the things of the world would suddenly fall away. All he asks of us is that we would open our eyes. Just as Zacchaeus had the grace to actually see what was in front of him. That when everyone else in the world was judging him, believing him a horrible person, the one person who loved him was God himself. Can you open your eyes to see the same thing here tonight? Can you open your ears to hear him speak the word?
You are loved, you are accepted, you are precious and honoured in my sight. Let that truth sink in. Let it sink in past the lies that we tell ourselves. Let it, let it come in deeply to the core of our being. That will be the thing that transforms you. That will be the thing that softens your heart. Let that truth mould you and shape you tonight.